0: Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Welcome to the Rational Believer Podcast Episode 19, Irrational Non-Problem-Solving, Believing that the jinn, Black Magic and the Evil Eye is harming us. Many psychological and physical problems arise when we don't prioritize certain knowledge over speculative knowledge. For instance, some people are constantly worried about the possibility of germs on their hands making them ill. This causes them to wash their hands constantly until they start to chaff and peel from constant washing, an obsessive compulsive disorder. In this case, the idea of germs leading to an illness are on my hand is speculative, but if from the sensuality reality there is nothing to indicate that their hands have been contaminated, then the idea that there is no reason to think that there are any pathogenic germs on my hand Would be more certain. Therefore, to suspect that there are pathogenic germs present on the hands when there was no incident to place them there would be a case of speculative thinking overriding rational thinking. In this case, it leads to anxiety and physical harm. Similar to this are the ideas that paralyze us from looking for rational solutions to our problems, As an example of such cases are a businessman who blames black magic for the failure of his new venture rather than the lack of marketing, or a man who has problems with his wife blaming the evil eye rather than them not understanding the role of husband and wife in marriage and or their duties to each other, or a young man who doesn't have a job blaming jinn possession rather than a lack of ambition or skill. The key to removing this unproductive thinking is prioritising more certain knowledge over less certain knowledge in our thinking. As discussed previously in the episode of What can we know in episode 4, the most objective and certain knowledge the human can directly acquire himself is the rational knowledge, which is based on his sensuality. reality. No one can deny this certain knowledge, otherwise they will not exist very long as they try to deny the reality in front of them. For example, as we mentioned before, a car hurtling towards you. However, we also mentioned that the transmitted knowledge from the Creator to us is also another form of knowledge that we could potentially acquire if we could verify that it is indeed from the Creator. This type of knowledge would even be more certain than our own rational knowledge as it comes from the Creator who created our reality, our universe, as well as our limitations of being dependent on our senses to understand the universe. Therefore, any information that the Creator gives us, which we may not be able to appreciate with our senses, would be deemed to be certain. So, for instance, although we cannot sense life after death, we would believe it to be true because the Creator revealed it to us in the Quran, which we have already accepted to be from the Creator due to its miracle. So, if we have established that the Creator's knowledge transmitted to us is going to override our own knowledge based on our senses, then what remains is to understand how to classify the various forms of transmitted knowledge that we find in the divine sources, into its various levels of certainty or strength. The different levels of certainty of Islamic knowledge. As a source, the Quran is certain in its transmission as it is from the creator, proven through its miraculous nature, being out of the ability of a human to produce. Within the Quran, however, are ideas, words, and phrases that are certain in their meaning such as قُلْ هُوَ أحد, say he Allah is one in Surah Al-Ikhlas or as in Surah Muhammad number 47 verse 19 "F'alamu أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا الله. know that there is no God but Allah there are also those ideas, words or phrases that can have different interpretations based on the natural characteristics of the Arabic language or any language for that matter For example, in Surah Al-Ma'idah verse 6 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions النساء or you have touched women Now the word لمستم, touched, has different interpretations including skin contact or intercourse There are also various interpretations based on The words being beyond the human ability to understand For example, the verses about Allah's attributes which have no reality for us because we cannot sense them So for example, where Allah says in Surah Ar-Rahman وَيَبْقَى وَشْهُ رَبِّكَ ذُوَ الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ And the face of your Lord will remain Now we cannot assume that because Allah mentions his face that it means that it resembles our human faces. It would be speculative and irrational to do so as we cannot see Allah and it would contradict what Allah has also mentioned about Himself. For example, when He says, There is nothing whatsoever like Him in Surah 42, verse 11. So, Here we just believe in what Allah has mentioned without having to discuss them As to do so does not bring us any beneficial knowledge Now the Quran establishes another source of knowledge which is the Messenger himself peace be upon him These are based on certain meanings which cannot be interpreted but to follow what the Messenger brought So in Surah Najm it is mentioned and he doesn't utter from his own desire indeed it is an inspired inspiration and also in Surah Araf verse 203, 203 it is mentioned say I but follow what is revealed to me from my Lord and also in Surah Ahazab verse 36 it is mentioned it is not for a believing man or woman when Allah and His Messenger have decreed a matter that they should have any opinion in their decision So this knowledge that Allah's Messenger, peace be upon him, conveyed to us has been collected in the form of hadith which are the sayings, actions and approvals of his These hadiths have been narrated along chains of narrators starting from the companions of the Prophet who would witness what the Prophet said or did or approved up to the collector of this hadith several generations later, who would have recorded it in their book. Various books of hadith collection have reached us today, named after the scholar who collected them, such as Bukhari and Muslim. For the sake of this discussion, how does the knowledge of the hadith compare to that of the knowledge of the Quran? in principle there should be no difference from what is conveyed to us from Allah via the Quran or the sayings and actions of his messenger however the certainness the certainty and strength of the knowledge from each will vary because of the method that each has reached us the Quran being the miraculous word of Allah means that it is certainly from him the hadith however in their wordings are not miraculous by their nature, since they are in the style of the speech of the messenger and his companions who narrate what they witnessed. Therefore, these human words were open to corruption by impostors and enemies, as well as innocent human mistakes. That is why the scholars of hadith developed systems to determine authentic hadith from non-authentic hadith even extending to the system of classifying narrators as being reliable or untrustworthy. The hadith themselves were graded into two broad categories of strength of narration, the ahad and the mutawatir, singular and multiple narration. The mutawatir, the multiple narration, were conveyed similar to the mass transmission of the Qur'an from the messenger until it reached the collector of hadith the mutawatir thus is the report of a large number of narrators whose agreement on a lie is inconceivable on all levels of the chain of narrators called the isnad in arabic from the beginning until the end according to the majority of scholars the authority of the mutawatir hadith is equivalent to that of the quran it creates certainty or Yaqeen in Arabic, and the knowledge it produces is equivalent to knowledge acquired through sense perception. The ahad or singular hadith were any hadith that fell short of the category of the mutawatir. The important thing to note here is that the chain of the ahad, the single narrator or less than is susceptible to the mistakes of the humans that narrated them. This could happen innocently by a narrator changing a word that was heard for a word that is similar in meaning when they narrated it to the next person. Human memory is not 100% accurate, and humans are not above making mistakes. In the field of Islamic law, however, there is still a value for both types of hadith because they inform the jurist with a source of evidence for forming legal opinions. The Ahad hadith in this instance would be further classified into different grades, such as Da'if, the weak, the Hassan, the Sahih, etc., which would indicate how reliable it is based on the strength of the narrator's biography, memory and character however in all types of information that is transmitted to us whether from the quran or hadith there is still scope for the meanings to be uncertain based on the wordings of the text itself as mentioned earlier so to summarize the type of knowledge from the various divine sources and whether it is certain or not we can get the following if the source is the quran then the m- transmission is mutawatir. The meaning in the text could be certain, then the knowledge would be certain. If the meaning in the text of the Quran is uncertain, then the knowledge would be uncertain. Going on to the hadith, we can have a mutawatir transmission, and if the meaning in the text is certain, then the knowledge will be certain but if the meaning is uncertain, then the knowledge would be uncertain. And if the hadith are ahad, then whether the meaning in the text is certain or uncertain, then the knowledge derived therefore would be uncertain. So as we can see, the only two forms of certain knowledge will come from the Quran with certain meaning And also the Mutawatir Hadith with certain clear-cut meaning. Now, how does this relate to our belief? Belief is based on certain knowledge. As we can see, the only knowledge that will be certain is that found in the Quran and Hadith Mutawatir which have clear meanings that cannot be interpreted in any other way. This is relevant because the central beliefs that we have should be based on certain knowledge so that our actions and direction and will is unshakable, as there is no room for doubt This creates a very clear and determined identity in the mind of the Muslim who proceeds upon the path of life with a clear direction The evidence for basing our core belief on certain knowledge comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself in the Quran Allah blamed those who followed their forefathers belief based on conjecture with no certainty for that will need not lead to the correct path mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah verse 117 وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمَ اتَّبْعُوا مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ قَالُوا بَلْ نتبع مَا أَلْفَيْنَ عَلَيْهِ آبَاءَنَا أَوْ لَوْ كَانَ آبَاءُهُمْ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ شَيْئًا وَلَا يهتدون. And when it is said to them, follow what Allah has revealed, they say, Nay, we shall follow the ways of our fathers. What? even though their fathers were void of wisdom and guidance. That was in Surah Baqarah, Ayah 170. And also in Surah Ma'idah, Ayah 104, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions, وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ تَأَعْلُوا إِلَى مَا أَنْزَلَ اللَّهُ وَإِلَى الرَّسُولِ قَالُوا حَسْبٌ وَمَا وَجَدْنَا عَلَيْهِ آبَاءَنَا كَانَ آبَاؤُهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ When it is said to them, come to what Allah has revealed, come to the messenger, they say, Enough for us are the ways we found our fathers following. What, even though their fathers were void of knowledge and guidance? And also, إن سورة النجم، في verses twenty seven to 28. إن الذين لا يؤمنون بالآخرة ليسمون الملائكة تسميات الأونت وما لهم به من علم يتبعون إلا الظن وإن الظن لا يغني من الحق شيئا those who believe not in the hereafter, name the angels with the female names. But they have no knowledge therein. They follow nothing but conjectures. And conjecture avails nothing against the truth. And also in Surah Al-An'am, verse 116, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala says, وَإِن تُتَعْ فِي الْأَرْضِ يدلوك عَن سَبِيلِ الله يَتَّبِعُونَ إِلَّا إِلَّا If you obeyed most of those on earth, they would mislead you far from Allah's way. They follow nothing but conjecture and they only guess. The certainty of belief is established in the Qur'an in various ayat where Allah tells man to look at the creation in the universe In order to establish from the reality Where it could have come from So for example In Surah Al-Gashiyah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Ba'ad-a'udhu billahi minish-tuhun al ilal-ibli Kayfa khuliqat Wa al samai Kayfa rufi'at Wa al jibali Kayfa nusibat Wa ilal-ardi Kayfa sutihat in and to Do they not look at the she-camel and how it is created, and to the sky and how it is raised, and to the mountains how they are erected, and to the earth how it is spread out. So remind, for indeed you are a reminder. And there are many v- ayat and verses in the Qur'an that ask the man to think about the reality of the creation of the universe so for example, also in Surah Baqarah, Ayah 164, verse 164, the translation of which is Surely in the creation of the heavens and the earth, in the disparity of the night and day in the ships that course in the sea and that which benefits people in the water that God sends down from the sky, reviving with it the earth after it was barren, in his spreading in it all kinds of living things, in the changing of the winds and the subjected clouds between the heavens and the earth, indeed are signs for people who have understanding. And it was also established through concurrent transmission to water, which bespeaks certainty that the Arabs were incapable of producing the light of the Qur'an, although it challenged them to do so. The Qur'an addressed them. So in Surah Baqarah verse 23, it mentions, and if you are in doubt concerning what we have revealed unto our slave, then produce a chapter of the like of it. And call your witnesses if there are any besides Allah, if you are truthful. It can be thus seen that the belief of life has been built on certainty rather than doubt, and that it is not allowed, and also irrational, to believe in something less certain over an idea that is more certain. The clash of different levels of knowledge. So when there is a clash between certain and uncertain knowledge, the certain knowledge should always be taken over the uncertain knowledge. Now, applying this framework to the supernatural world of evil eye, black magic and jinn possession, when we study the sensed reality, we will find that no objective rational proof for these actually exist. Of course there are anecdotal stories that people will narrate and think they have experienced. However, none of these acts can be demonstrated to exist under controlled conditions, where we can observe the rules of the reality of our physical universe are broken which is alluded to in the existence of such supernatural phenomena. For instance, no magician has been able to cause the rules of reality to be broken where they have been shown to cast a spell to cause a supernatural effect that can be measured. Similarly, no one has been able to show any cause of an effect of an evil eye which is supernatural. In fact, there has been various open and publicized challenges, such as the James Randi $1 million challenge to anyone who can prove any such supernatural existence under controlled conditions. So if this certain rational knowledge we have informs us that these phenomena do not exist, and then we have divine knowledge that informs us of the opposite, How should we reconcile the contradiction? If the knowledge that we have been given from the Creator is indeed certain, then we would have to accept it, even if we do not perceive it with our limited senses, since the Creator cannot be incorrect. However, if the knowledge is not certain, then we do not have to accept it over our certain rational knowledge. This is confirmed even by the Creator himself blaming those who followed conjecture the Quranic verse mentioned just recently. So what remains then is to examine these evidences and determine the level of knowledge that they provide. None of the evidences that are put forward to support a supernatural understanding of these phenomena is based on certain knowledge, that is Quran or Hadith Mutawatir with a clear certain meaning. Rather they could be interpreted to have a rational meaning, that conforms to the observed reality. Or the strength of the chain of narration, the Isnad in Arabic, is based on a single Ahad narration which may be prone to human error. Taking for instance the issue of the evil eye. The knowledge that we have related to it is from the Ahad Hadith. The narration that mentions it, Al the eye is a reality also open to rational explanation. The jealous person who seeks to harm you can do so physically as they can try to damage your property that they are jealous of or spoil your reputation by spreading gossip or rumors about you. Taking the issue of magic, there is mention of it in ahad hadith but also in Quranic ayat verses again these can be interpreted with a rational understanding rather than a metaphysical supernatural one. The mention of the magicians at the time of Musa performing their tricks can be understood to be illusions and that is why they submitted straight away when Musa was able to destroy their illusion with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. also the verse that mentions the evil teachings of the people who learnt magic at the hands of the two angels, what could separate man from his wife, as mentioned in Surah Baqarah, Ayah 102, the translation of which is, They followed what the shaitan gave out, the devils gave out, falsely of the magic, in the lifetime of Sulaiman, Suleiman did not disbelieve, but the shaitan, the shayateen devils disbelieved teaching men magic and such things that came down at Babylon to the two angels Harut and Marut. But neither of these two taught anyone such things till they had said, we are only for trial, so disbelieve not by learning this magic from us. And from these angels people learn that by which they cause separation between man and his wife. But they could not thus harm anyone except by Allah's leave And they learned that which harms them and profits them not And indeed they knew that the buyers of it, the magic, would have no share in the hereafter And how bad indeed was that for which they sold their own selves, if they but knew Now, again, there are physical tricks that one can play to get the man and wife to doubt each other's faithfulness and loyalty to each other which then escalates until they are divorced and separated as mentioned in the ayah. There is even much guidance provided to us from Allah and His Messenger to create a harmonious relationship between the two people. For instance, falsely accusing the chaste person of infidelity is a serious crime In which the Sharia law which protects the dignity of the woman and man from the whisperings and gossip of people that can lead to problems in the marriage. There are physical realities that occur between the man and the woman and the gossip that is used to separate them. So these are physical realities that occur and not metaphysical or mystical. The other common misconception is that of jinn possession, again, there is no certain evidence of their ability to possess humans, they the jinn are mentioned in the Quran so we believe that they exist in the same way we believe in the existence of the unseen realities that are mentioned such as angels, however, there is no definitive certain evidence to mention that they can possess us and have control over us. On the contrary, we even find Quranic verses that mention the opposite. So, in Surah Al-Hijr, for instance, Allah SWT, he mentions, the translation of which is, You have no authority over my slaves except he who follows you of the deviant. This shows us that humans are the ones to choose to follow evil actions or to choose not to. This is no different to the free will that humans have in the choices of their actions to do good or bad So for example, in Surah Al-Balad, Allah says, and we guided him to the two paths Any material relationship other than this fundamental relationship Which Allah has clarified, requires a particular text establishing it If a text exists explaining any such relationship Then we affirm it in accordance with that text for example, the authority of Sulaiman over the jinn and his ability to command and prohibit them is a matter about which a text has come, so thus we affirm it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Naml about Sulaiman The translation of which is He said, O chiefs, which of you shall bring her throne to him before they come to him in submission? An audacious one among the jinn said, I will bring it to you before you rise up from your place, and most surely I am strong and trusty for it. And this is in Ayah, the translation of Ayah 38. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in Surah Sabah Ayah 12, the translation of which is, And we made the wind subservient to Suleiman, which made a month's journey in the morning and a month's journey in the evening. And we made a fountain of molten copper to flow out for him, and of the jinn there were those who worked before him by the command of his lord. And whoever turned aside from our command from among them, we made him taste the punishment of burning. They made for him what he pleased of fortresses and images and bowls as watering troughs and cooking pots that will not move from their place. Give thanks, O family of Dawood, and very few of my servants are grateful." Now the above it just mentioned specific reality, was only for Suleiman who was given this power over the jinn as a miracle since he was a prophet of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So from what we have just seen, we can see that these issues of supernatural effects of black magic, evil eye and jinn possession are not based on any certain knowledge, and in fact contradict the knowledge of reality which is more certain, for there is no clear cut textual evidence to affirm the actual supernatural effect of these things. Anything that has been mentioned, as we saw, was specific for Suleiman in terms of power over the jinn. So from what we have just discussed, it can be seen that these issues of supernatural effects of black magic or of the evil eye and of jinn possession are not based on any certain knowledge and in fact contradicts. The knowledge of reality. So to conclude, in terms of believing in these things, these are not matters of aqeedah or of creed to believe in, as there is no certain evidence from the Islamic sources to affirm that there are supernatural effects of black magic, evil eye and jinn possession. Based on the ayat, the verses from the Quran, where Allah blames those who follow conjecture, it is not allowed for us to believe in these as matters of faith. Secondly, if they were matters of belief, then they would not be ignored by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or His Messenger in leaving them out from the certain transmissions like the Quran and Hadith Mutawatir, instructing that they are matters of belief like we have in the Articles of Faith such as in. Surah Nisa, Ayah 136, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu, amanu billahi wa rasulihi wal kitab il ladhi ala rasulihi wal kitab il ladhi anzala min qabl وَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ بِاللَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَقَدْ بَعِيدًا Translation O you who have believed believe in Allah and his messenger and the book that he sent down upon his messenger and the scriptures which he sent down before and whoever disbelieves in Allah his angels, his books, his messengers, and the last day, has certainly gone far astray. So here we see a clear direction of instruction of what to believe in. Now finally, these beliefs of possession of the jinn and the supernatural effects of the evil eye and black magic, They seemed to be part of the social-cultural thoughts at the time which they used to explain current events based on their scientific thinking of the time. So when they came across narrations, even if they were weak or ahad narrations of such phenomena, they would have no problem accepting them as an explanation of events, but not as a religious instruction, since it made rational sense to them. For instance, it used to be thought that vision used to work by rays exiting from the eye which would strike the object that was viewed. Now we know that our vision works because it is actually rays of light that reflect off of objects and enter our eyes, not exiting them. Therefore, based on the previous understanding of vision, it would seem to be normal that if a person fires out rays from their eyes, that would not be far off from firing out harmful rays too, hence the mystical understanding of the evil eye. Nowadays, though, we would look at those statements at the time of the prophet regarding the evil eye, from an angle more consistent with our current understanding of the eye, and conclude that the harm is based on actual physical harm through actions that the envious perpetrator would carry out against his victim, so he eyes up his victim with evil. When it comes to practice and solving problems in everyday life then, it is wholly unproductive for us to look for reasons that are not connected to reality, rather we should be trying to tackle our issues from the matters that are connected to it. To ignore this leads us to base our actions on superstitions and mythology which is what the Messenger of Allah came to remove Isn't it ironic that you see Muslims who claim to believe that Allah is the ultimate power but then worry about the supernatural power that people have in black magic or evil eye? Where is the belief that only Allah can harm or bring good to whomever He wills? Now they believe that humans also share in that supernatural power This backwards thinking led the Arabs in their days of ignorance, the Jahliya, to look at the birds flying in the morning or to cast lots of sticks to decide on their fortune, whether decisions they were about to take would be good or bad. This is the same type of thinking that allowed the pharaohs and others to tyrannically rule over their fearfully submissive people because they could use the threat of their magicians to harm the people and to show their false power and strength. This is the same type of thinking that paralyzes the person today, preventing them from tackling their problems head-on by looking for a rational solution. The Prophet came to change this type of superstitious behavior. And that is why when any of us fear such superstitious nonsense, he taught us prayers like, Allahumma <laughs> la khayra illa khayruk wa la tayrun illa tayrak wa la so this is a hadith narrated by Ahmad, classed as sahih by Al-Bani in his Al-Silsila Al-Sahihah, and this is hadith number seven zero four five. The translation of which is: "O oh Allah, there is no good except Your good, no birds, which is the sign of omens used by the Arabs, except yours, and there is no god besides You." The full hadith actually warns the person that it is an act of shirk. Polytheism to allow the superstition to change his behavior, so as mentioned in the full hadith, the Prophet said, whoever has been turned away from his need by the birds has committed shirk, they companions asked, so what is the expiation for that? he said, the Prophet, that you say, O oh Allah, there is no good except your good No birds except your birds, and no God except you. Additionally, any practice of recitation of Quranic verses by the one afflicted with any illness known as Ruqya are to remind the believer of the power of Allah over any perceived supernatural power that people may incorrectly believe in. The Messenger has even left us with prayers to the effect of reminding us that only Allah has any power over us. Such as Bismillah Ismihi al Alim," in the name of Allah, with whose name nothing on earth or in heaven harms, and He is the all-hearing, the All-Knowing. Finally, the companions of the Messenger would have been more aware than us. Of any revelation of such matters of the reality of magic, evil eye and jinn possession, since they lived at the time of the Prophet, who would explain these matters to them. However, when they proceeded in life, we never saw them looking for supernatural causes for their troubles. We don't see them blaming jinn possession for the committing of crimes, for instance, or for the increase in drinking alcohol during the caliphate of Umar. On the contrary, We even see that the Caliph Umar increased the punishment from 40 lashes to 80 lashes to try and prevent this evil. We never see them discussing these matters in criminal trials. If the issue was jinn possession or black magic, then how can a person be accountable for their sins if they are under the influence of another power and have no control over their actions? Such thinking makes a mockery of the justice system and the laws of punishment in Islam. Alhamdulillah, all praises are for Allah who gave us the mind and with it the ability to save us from destructive thinking. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, we'll be looking at how irrational thinking has led to the emerging of deviant misguided groups until next time assalamu alaykum allah